grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, good afternoon. Good early morning. It might be early morning or, or evening for some of you guys. Welcome. We're on earlier than we usually are. We got a, we have a special guest today. I'm really excited to have her on. My name is Charlotte, and I uh, have allergy problems, so <laughs> my voice is a little deeper than it usually is. But anyway, um, welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so, and uh, I am the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team. Based out of Sacramento, California, you can find us at www.californiahaunts.org. Our radio show, the show right here, you can find at www.californiahauntsradio.com. Again, I'm welcoming you guys. Um, anybody in the United States or anybody in California or near Sacramento, <laughs> put the word out. I'm collecting Happy Meal toys right now. Disney's celebrating its 50th anniversary, and... They've got 50 different toys coming out. And what I decided to do was because I used to collect the Franklin Mint ones that were really expensive. And those over the years have gotten broken or whatever's happened to them, you know, from moving boxes around and stuff. So um, I've decided that these 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 toys, these Happy Meals are, are just a perfect size for ornaments. So um, if anybody has any that they don't want that they get, send them my way. I'm looking to do a whole Disney tree if I can, you know. Even paranormal people like Disney. Makes you happy. Anyway, welcome. We have a great guest today. Um, this, this lady's coming in from Ireland. I believe Ireland today. Her name is Mariel. I hope you get her first name right. Mariel Ford Clark. And she's written a book. You know, when, when our loved ones die, we always wonder what happens to them. What happens to them at the time of death? What happens to them after death? And she's written a wonderful book about this. And uh, I, I heard her on another program, and that is what uh, drew me to have her on the show. So I can't wait to talk to her. So again, if you want to visit our show, our archives, everything's over at www.californiahauntsradio.com. So here we go. Hello. Good evening. And greetings from Ireland, Charlotte. How are you? Good. Wow, Ireland. It's you know it's amazing. How Ireland you, uh, is just magic and full of mystery and all. So we oh don't my wonder, gosh, yes. We don't wonder at your ghost stories. We have our own ghosts over here as well. <laughs> you have a lot of ghosts over there. That's one thing over there. You have a lot of ghosts. I, I've been to England. I've never been to Ireland. But um, oh. if, if it's any, if it's go, if it's if it's ghostly like like England, then wow. Every every time you turn around, there's a ghost. Absolutely. Human ones as well that, that have fully materialized in front of you. We got those here too, trust me. I see them at the mall every, every day. Tell me about you, please. Well, I was born in a very rural part of Ireland, Charlotte, and uh, born, when I say rural, I mean in the countryside. So, you know, being in the country, I was very tomboyish. I had lots of brothers and lots of neighbors and lots of uh, extended families that didn't even belong to us. So our home was very homely, very welcoming. And uh, my grandmother was extremely psychic and very gifted. 
And mm-hmm. she had a seventh son who was uh, an extension of a seventh son prior to that. So that meant there was a double gift within the family with the last seventh son of a seventh son. And my brother, Joseph, who transitioned in 2002, he was extremely psychic and he actually predicted his own death. And uh, and that, that we can probably talk about that later. But sure. um, yeah, so... Um, so I, I was always very uh, aware of uh, spirit beings around me. I was always very aware of my grandmother's gift. And I'd see people coming in the back door that time, Charlotte, never came in the <laughs> front door. It was shush. It was kept in secret, you know. Right. And yeah, for fear of being deemed, you know, um, crazy or mad, you know. And uh, so people would always come in the back door and they snuck out the back door, you know. So I, I used to be intrigued with this. And it was so, you know, so beautiful. And my father then would talk about, you know, the fairies and the fairy forth and the banshee. You may have heard of the mm-hmm. banshee, which is a right. real relevant thing. And, and leprechauns, you know, the leprechauns. Now, we never saw leprechauns, really, but are the banshee. But my father claimed he did. So... I suppose being reared in that type of, it was a very healthy environment. And then my father used to play so much music. So, you know, we had a lovely balance of all this kind of folklore and music and dance and song. But when I was, um, when I was uh, 15, then I had my first spiritual huge encounter with Mother Mary. And uh, she appeared to me, uh, I was in a grotto and, um, it was underground in a kind of a beautiful cave beside the old, old abbey. And Mother Mary appeared to me. They, they like her statuette just went pure live. And I ran out of the place. I was there. I got frozen in time, but I ran. Left every, my school bag, my lunch, everything after me. And I just ran. And one of the school guys I was going to school with, I said, would you ever run in there and get me my school bag? You're right. So when he came out, I said, did you see anything happening in there? And he says, no, no, why? And I said, are you sure? And he said, no, no, nothing. So I still had my lovely visions of angels and I used Mm -hmm. to see lights and I used to see orbs and, you know, so I didn't pass any remarks of this. I thought everybody saw them, Charlotte. So I went on then and I started, I studied science and I became a serologist. So that's all got to do with factual data, qualitative analysis, you name it. It's pure science. And uh, then in 1992, I had my own, they say near death experience, Charlotte, but I kind of, I, I do have to say, why do they say near death? Because you've actually been pronounced dead. You're dead. You're gone. Mm-hmm. Everything, your heart has stopped. You know, my heart had stopped. My pulses had stopped. Everything. I was flatlined. And so I had the out of the you know the near death experience as they deem it in, in medical terms, where I left my body, and I was hovering over that, and I was in a lovely peaceful state. I loved it. I loved it, and I was just drawn and dragged in through this. I'll always call it Charlotte, a whirlpool of pure, undiluted love and light, and peace, serenity, tranquility. You name all those beautiful, beautiful words that depict love and I was just held in this um, this sacredness this beautiful loving energy and I did not want to leave there 
and it, it, it how long it lasted I'm I'm not quite sure but and at that stage you see Charlotte I was in a, a very very um loveless marriage and in Ireland that time you know the old cliche was you made your bed you lie in it so we had no divorce we had no separation it was only coming into being at that time and uh, so I really when I was told I had cancer it, it and it's in, in a very advanced stage of cervical wow. cancer yeah I said great I don't have to live anymore it didn't bother me it was easier to live with cancer than it was to live in a lie with my relationship if that would make sense to you mm -hmm. so I was in this beautiful place where there was no pain there was no fear there was no anxiety there was no stress there was just pure love and then out of this golden light this hand comes right through and I know now it was my father's hand. I knew three months later it was my father's hand. And he had just died a year prior. And I know it was him that stopped me and, and said to go back. So my journey then, I suppose, Charlotte, you know, I went from, you know, very in this beautiful sacred space that I was in. And I had to go back then when I was back in my body. I, and I heard them saying, we have our back, we have our back. And two days later my surgeon came to me and they said I, he'd obviously been before that Charlotte but I, mm -hmm. I wasn't able to hear him at the time because I had extensive surgeries and uh, he said you were so lucky he said we you were bleeding outwardly you were hemorrhaging outwardly and we could not stop he said you know you were dead so he said somebody somebody in a higher power must have been minding you and I knew it was my father and I just turned around from Charlotte and I said why the hell didn't you just leave me there you mm -hmm. know, because I knew that I still had to come back and face what was my life. Mm -hmm. So um, I suppose, Charlotte, in about three months after that, then I, I, I just wanted to end it all. And I was going to end my life. And I went, I was going to my front door and it was about two o'clock in the morning. And um. I just couldn't live with the pain anymore. And I just wanted to find that peace that I had experienced on the other side. And like that, I was in total despair. I was not thinking of what I was doing. I was in a dark, it was my darkest night of my soul ever, ever. And I had three beautiful children in their bedrooms, but they didn't feature. They did not come into my mental picture or my reasoning or my logic at that stage. And at two o'clock, around two o'clock in the morning, when the whole world was asleep, I decided this is it. So I, um, what I did was I took the keys of my husband at that time, his new car, and uh, I said, I'm going to drive it into the Docklands. The Docklands in Galway, our big city, it's like there was no protective barriers. Mm -hmm. And you go under a bridge and many accidents had happened there, especially during frost and icy weather. So I just said, I'll I'll put my foot on the accelerator, go under the bridge, close my eyes and go straight into the Docklands and it would be all over. And I was going out my door and my father's face just appeared on the door and his hand again. And he had a pet name for all of his children. And mine was Molly Akujin, and that's a real Irish term of endearment. And he put the hand up again and he said, Molly Akujin, keep your powder dry. And 
the reality of this Charlotte was like, oh my God, daddy is here. Daddy is with me. Mm -hmm. And what actually happened then, Charlotte, when I, obviously I went into the sitting room, I have no memory of going into the sitting room. And then I look at the a clock on the mantelpiece and it says 10 past five, around 10 past five. So I have three hours that I have no recollection of. So those three hours I've been told since by my guides, I was being, my soul was, they were restoring and replenishing my soul energy and that they were preparing me to take the biggest leap of faith in my life, which was to leave the marriage. And the next morning, Charlotte, I found enough coppers and money and pennies because I used never have money, not have much of it since either, but I used to have the charge of money. And uh, I got on a bus and went into the city and found a solicitor and the rest is history. But the, my case lasted six years as well because my ex-husband was a member of the police force. So, uh, oh. was, yes. So there was a lot of different challenges that I had to face over the next six, six and a half years. But then, in like that, Charlotte, I went on, and uh, and I had to question why did I survive my why did I survive? I because I so desperately wanted to go home. I wanted to be back in the in the bosom of this God light, and I just did not I I did not understand why I was why did I live? You know, and mm -hmm. then I started the the quest: why do some people die and others don't? I, stu I studied all the various religions, all the faith paths, all the belief systems. Then I went on and I studied uh, integrative energy therapy, Reiki, crystal healing, angel healing, shamanism. And I even uh, later I became a spiritual midwife, which assists the dying to cross over, which you may like to ask me about later. So uh, it, it's been a huge, huge journey, Charlotte where I have, um, and then I suppose in 2018, uh, and I have to say when I had my near death experience or the death experience, I call it, um, in 1992, it was my biggest gift to me, Charlotte, because I grew from the experience and from the pain. And I learned my ex-husband, I bless him with all my heart and soul, for years now, because he has been my greatest teacher upon Mother Earth, my greatest teacher, because he taught me the gift of forgiveness and the gift of being able to let go and not to hold on to things. So I learned that from him. And I suppose that was one of my soul lessons when I came on Earth this time. And, you know, then in 2018, I had a major ski accident on a mountaintop in, in Andorra. And uh, snowboarder, I had to bless him too because he took me out. He was only a novice learning how to ski. And he took me out as I was, as I was descending from the chairlift. And uh, he just had slipped backwards and fell onto my path, went right back on top of me with his snowboard, broke nice. my pelvis, broke bones in my back. And, you know, so there was for five, four to five months, I wasn't able to walk, I wasn't able to move, I wasn't able to do anything. So that's when the angels came in again, and my spirit guides, and showed me where after, my book where after, and exactly like a jigsaw, where I was to put everything, what I was to put into it. Hmm. And 
And that's kind of why we're here tonight, Charlotte. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, yeah, I was going to say. You know, I can attest to that peaceful feeling. I didn't yeah. have an NDE, but um, I was in a car accident and uh, my car had gone across the freeway and I was, I was going to go into a canyon. Wow. And I remember, you know, bracing, but I remember thinking, oh, well, a real peaceful feeling came over me when, it, when I realized, you know, I was going to go, you know, I was probably going to die because I was in this canyon because I thought, oh, well, it's going to be a great view, you know, and that's it. <laughs> that's how I felt. <laughs> and, you know, Charlotte, this is the whole thing when we are and all everyone that has experienced an NDE, even children. You know, mm -hmm. they talk about and, and the huge volumes of research, all the various doctors that have done huge, huge research into it, like Dr. Raymond Mooney, Dr. Dr. Um, uh, Elizabeth Gubler-Ross in the 60s and Raymond Moody came in in the 70s. And then the huge volume of work that's now being done by that has been done by Dr. Pim van Lommel, the Dutch cardiologist and all all their clients that had totally flat down, flatlined and being pronounced dead. All of them have come back, like myself, with all this vivid recall of, you know, some of them go through a tunnel. I didn't go through the tunnel. I was in this whirlpool of, of beautiful light. It was like a kaleidoscope of color. And then into the heart of it, which was pure golden light. But um, all the commonalities uh, are the same. But, you know, like um, feeling that sense of peace being drawn to the light, seeing mm -hmm. your, yourself floating over your body. But one of the most common things is, Charlotte, like you described there yourself, this lovely feeling of peace. It's like mm -hmm. a surrender. No fear. Mm -hmm. No fear. And it's all gone. And unfortunately, Charlotte, that's the problem in our, in our thinking and in our human psychic today. We are so afraid to die. And, mm -hmm. and the, it's, it's the fear of the unknown. And tenatophobia is actually the scientific name. There is actually a scientific name for the fear of dying. And I was I was intrigued when I came on this, you know, and I said, oh, my God, there's even a label for fear of dying. And mm -hmm. I suppose ho I'm hoping that, well, it's, it's already doing it, its purpose, Charlotte, that the where after my book has is all the aspects of proof, evidential proof that we survive after physical death. And for us to realize, Charlotte, that our souls is that part of us that is immortal. It is our soul that is the engine that drives us here while we're on earth. It's our soul that is holds our consciousness from all our lifetimes. So it is when we actually transition, it's the physical body that's either returned to the earth or uh, brought to the crematorium but it's the the soul leaves and i've had incredible experiences be beside people that are dying and as i'm invited there as the spirit midwife to help people cross over through my shamanic work and other healing mm -hmm. modalities so it's just an amazing experience and you know for me charlotte who was always having the scientific mind yes i had all this beautiful experiences when i was younger but to be able to kind of categorically say, look, I have a scientific mind. I never believed that I could be so far advanced as a soul that 
I understand the journey of the soul, the outer body experiences, the near-death experiences. And then in, in also in where after there is also, um, you know, it, it's a, a kind of a practical, no-nonsense approach to looking at the evidence that's being presented. And the research I did in relation to all the prominent, not alone doctors and scientists, but the physicists that endorsed the afterlife. Going back to Plato, Aristotle and Socrates, they all believed that the afterlife was, was huge and that the afterlife existed. And like the afterlife isn't just a new, a new phenomenon that we have encountered, say, in the last hundred years. It, it's going back and dated thousands of years you know, with all these very prominent prophets of the past, and not alone that, but recorded and documented. So it's it's lovely to be part of the process now from another objective viewpoint, which is coming from the huge spiritual aspect of the journey of the soul that, you know, and I suppose, Charlotte, people don't understand that, um, you know, when the baby is in the, the mother's womb, the baby is nourished and fed and has all the nutrition and and food substance that it needs through the umbilical cord but when we're here on earth we are connected to our spirit body mm -hmm. by the silver cord right which doesn't disengage until our time of death and that's that's where there's a the difference between the obes and the indies so mm -hmm. uh, it's all there in in where after as well charlotte and and it, it makes it, it's, it's very practical and it's very easy to read. When somebody dies, I have noticed that, well, uh, I, 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 I was a caregiver for my mom and dad. And I did notice that as they got closer, they had visitations. Oh, yeah. From loved ones. Why is that? Oh, it's, do, do you know what, Charles? It is, and I have seen it. I have not alone just seen seen the phenomena at, the, at the, the side, the bedside of the dying, I have actually witnessed loved ones past coming. And mm -hmm. it's like what I am gifted to see, Charlotte, is that they, it's like the veil. It's like, a, it's like a window curtain opening. And the afterlife, the heavenly place is there. And I can see whether it's a mother or a grandfather or a sister or a brother or Sometimes I have never seen Jesus, but Jesus has come because the person will rise up in bed and say, Jesus, I love you. Yeah. And but it's it's a beautiful time for healing as well, Charlotte. I have seen so much healing done around those crucial days and hours leading up to the soul transitioning. I have seen, you know, forgiveness offered maybe brothers that hadn't spoken, one of the, one lot of family, it was 40 years before mm -hmm. two brothers had actually spoken. You know, I have seen songs sang, I have seen grandchildren jumping on the bed where, where there's no tubing or anything like that, where it's appropriate. And I have seen grand, grandchildren, you know, interlinking with the grandparents' hands. And that's kind of keeping the connection alive. But I've also seen it's a lovely opportunity especially for children to be eventually able to say goodbye. So that keeps them in a healthier mindset for what's going to happen afterwards in the grieving process. So there is lovely things. And, you know, Charlotte, I have some lovely stories, some some weird, you know, but you wouldn't wonder at them on your on your beautiful talk show. But, um, <laughs> you know, 
but one of my first experiences, if I may share it, oh, one, of my, one of my first experiences, Charlotte, when I was invited into the hospice, and uh, she was a client of mine, and uh, she had uh, she had come to me many times, but the time she knew the time was coming for her to enter hospice for palliative care, and. Um, you know, at that time in Ireland, uh, the hospices were kind of very uh, new and very protected and very guarded. And uh, when she had made a pact with her sister that if and when the time came that she was in palliative care and that she hadn't the ability to contact me, that her sister would do it for her. So her sister, her sister said, OK, that's fine. So eventually, Charlotte, I get the call and my lovely my beautiful angel has finally gone into hospice and when i know it is her time for the for this earth plane is ending and i go into the hospice now it was my very first time to enter the hospice ever i hadn't been in to see anybody because it was a new hospice and this was the first time so when i went to the um you know the reception area i said i'm marielle i'm here for such a family and uh, next thing you want to say, oh, could you just wait there a minute? The receptionist said. So next thing I hear these footsteps bang, bang, bang down the corridor. It's it's the matron. And she said, yes, I've heard you are coming. She said, who are you? And I said, I'm a friend of the family. And I said, you know, her name was, say her name was Charlotte, was my friend. And I said, I'm here at the request of the family. And she said, what are you going to do to her? Are you going to hurt her? Are you going to do something that is not right? And I said, look, she says, you're an angel lady, aren't you? I said, look, don't worry. I left my wings in the car tonight, I said, you know. <laughs> I said, but I'm here solely for the family. So her sister that had rang me came down the corridor and she said, please. She said, this is our business now, you know. So, and I just turned around and I said to the matron, look, I said, you're very, very welcome to to join me just to make sure I'm not going to do anything like so what shocked me most of all Charlotte was I walked in the door and there the whole room was full I've I, all her family her ex-husband her mom in a wheelchair her dad her brother her two sisters and I'm like oh my god sweet Jesus what have you put me in front of now you know mm. because anytime I would have done my my sacred uh, healing for the end of life, it would always have been in their homes and there'd always be just a few people, not a room full of people and they would have been mm -hmm. people I'd have known. So there was one brother and he said, I don't want you here. I really don't want you here. And I looked at him and I said, that's okay, my angel. I said, it's it's a hard concept to understand, but I don't want you here. And, he, and his sister just said, could you just be quiet? So, I, you know, the energy in the room was so, it was not right. So then I just said to God and the angels, just guide me here. So then I started a process where I brought the whole family together. And I said, we were here solely because of Miriam. And then Miriam had asked me to be here. And I blessed her soul. And I blessed each member of the family, said their names. And I said, we would open sacred space. So opening sacred space got all of the family involved. But the ironic thing is when I was closing down the chakras, which is a shamanic way of 
recoiling the chakras to make sure mm -hmm. it's easier for the soul to rise from the body without the mm -hmm. physical attachments. So um, she had been in a coma for three days, Charlotte, and she just rose up in bed and she reached out towards her right in front of her and her hands, it was like she was moving into being pulled into the other side and the smile on her face. It was, I will never forget it. It was one of the strongest visions I've had of someone being called into the afterlife. And then she lay back down in, in her bed. And I said to the family, especially to her son, I said, talk to her now. I said, now she hears everything you're saying because the, the hearing is very heightened at that stage. And I said, talk, say everything you need to say. So I... I, I stood back, of course, and allowed the family to have their time. And then I knew it was time to do my final blessing, blessed all of them. And then I said, I'm out of here. And as I was just going down the corridor, I just heard a voice, a male voice, Marielle, hold up, hold up. And I looked around and I says, oh, God, no, it's the brother. And I went, oh, no, I'm in for it now. So he just came back and he said, I have to say I'm sorry. And he had tears in his eyes, Charlotte. And he said, I don't believe in any of this crack, he says. But he said, something happened in there. He said, that has made me want to know more about what you do or about what's happening, my sister. And I said, look, I look, I totally understand. And I gave him, wrote down a few things for him. And uh, I said, look, blessings of love and light to you, always. And I said, your sister will be with you always and overlight you. So... That night, Charlotte, I was in I was in, in 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 bed and I looked at the clock and no, I didn't look at the clock. This stage I saw beautiful, beautiful light coming into the room and Charlotte's uh, not Charlotte, not Charlotte's face. Miriam's not face me. was you know, <laughs> not yet, Charlotte. Not your time yet. And uh, I her face and it was and I says, Oh Miriam. And I looked at the clock and it was 4.15 a.m. And I just said, OK, I know. Following morning, I get a phone call from her sister to say that Miriam passed at 4.15 last night. So, you know, I have some lovely stories. And then there's a lovely one with a little girl. She was only 12 years of age. Her mom was my friend. I was sitting at, and having vigil with her mom and the mom you know, the mom didn't kind of, she was kind of confused about God and life because she'd been very good living. She'd gone to mass and her daughter, when she was nine, had been diagnosed with a very rare form of leukemia. And uh, she had a bone marrow transplant, which, which was very successful until she was 12. And then within six weeks of, you know, being back at a hospital, everything, it was, you know, it was it was not good news. So her daughter, beautiful Lucy, was was dying. And I was there holding vigil. And the mother was so distraught because mm -hmm. she was a single mom, distraught. And little Lucy just pops up in bed, kind of out of semi-coma state. And she says, oh, mommy, she said, you don't have to be sad anymore. And the mother said, what? What are you talking about? She said, no, you don't have to be sad anymore, mommy, she said. She said, I'm being, I've been in the most beautiful place. And Peter is playing with me. And Peter told me that you are not to be sad and that he's going to come 
for me soon and he is going to take me home and and you are not to worry and the ironic thing about that story is charlotte lucy never knew she had a brother because her brother had died three years before she was born so it was huge comfort comfort to the mom you know so there's amazing stories like that charlotte that i have been blessed blessed to blessed to witness and and to hear incredible stories at the deathbed and the healing and the 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 beauty around it and the serenity it's a sacred it's such a sacred place to be and then there is the after death communications there's all of that but i'll stop talking charlotte and let you ask me <laughs> That's something okay. That's okay. no i'm just I'm just I'm just blown away. I mean, and I understand like the brother's reaction because I mean when you come in, you're 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 kind of like the priest coming in to do the last rites. You're you're like the angel of death coming in there. When then when they see you, <laughs> it's like, oh my god, when she gets in here, it's it, you know. Well, it's funny, funny, Charlotte, you say that. Uh, at one stage I got a phone call and, and she was uh, an attendee of one of my uh, of my night classes, and this beautiful lady had um you know, she had fostered many, many children throughout her lifetime and, and she was quite ill, but she still came to my classes on spiritual awakening. And like that, she had asked her family that if anything happened to her ever, that they were called Marielle when she was poorly or when she was about to leave the world. But they ring me one day, the, da the daughters, the two daughters were on the phone together with Marielle. We, we really don't know what to do. And I says, why? What's wrong? And they said, well, we don't know whether we should call you before the priest or the, have the priest after you. And I said, it won't make any difference. But when I was leaving, the priest met me at the door and he knew of me. And he says, oh, he says, you're up to your tricks again, aren't you? And I says, ah, I got here before you, though. I said, <laughs> I said, it's all done. You have nothing to do, <laughs> you know. So that's funny. Like, I... I be, be being called before the priest and the wondering, should I come before the priest? Which would sure. be, as you said, the angel of death. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So um, once someone passes away, what happens? Are, are they still aware of what's going on in with the family in the room? Can they still hear the family? Of course they can. And and you see, this is it. It's like, but but when the spirit body actually leaves, then you see, it takes it takes time, Charlotte. It just doesn't happen like a bang. The only time it happens suddenly when the soul leaves the body is always, always. And this is what my guides have shared with me throughout the many years. If there is a, a sudden accident, if there is a drowning, if there is a fire, if there is something like bless America, what they had in 9-11, if there was the tsunamis like we had in 2004, all these people that made a conscious decision collectively to leave the earth plane you know they they did it as a collective soul group and but their soul would have left the body very very quickly it's mm. like and bless anyone who has been um you know the victim of abuse sexual abuse sure. or violence uh, or murder bless anyone who has lost their anyone through any of those but the soul leaves the body the soul mm -hmm. leaves the body on that impact. And so the physical body doesn't feel what's going on to it. And I hope that will bring comfort to a lot of people as well. But when the soul, so for a long time, you see, Charlotte, when the when the body is actually slowly dying and, and all the neural signs are beginning to shut down and winding down, 
that's a different type of of setting it's a different type of of scenario within the the room um because the person sometimes the person i found this especially with older people charlotte and i think it's because of the way they were indoctrinated with hell's fire and brimstone especially in ireland they don't want to die because they're terrified of dying even sure. though they are dying and I will often, as well as I hear people, see people rising up or fixated on a spot in the room, you know, and they'll say, oh, you've come for me, or Johnny, I'm coming with you, or, you know, is it time to go yet? You know, I've heard all of that, but equally I've heard, I don't want to go yet. It's yeah. not, I'm not going, I don't want to die. And it's that resistance that makes it harder for the soul to leave the body. And that's why I'm called as well, because somebody can be dying for quite some time. But when you have a, a belief system, I found anyone that has a certain belief system, uh, because when we transition, it has absolutely nothing got to do with religion. I'd like to say that it, whether you are religious or not, atheist or not, everyone transitions to the afterlife. But we go to the level of awareness and the level of consciousness that we have had in this lifetime. So if we have a belief system and a belief in, in God or Allah or Buddha, we, we, we go to a certain level within the, the, the heavenly plane. If we don't believe in anything, we still go to this afterlife, but we go to a different level. We go to the level where our maybe our counterparts are who are at the same vibration, the same level of uh, frequency, the same level of understanding that they've crossed over in, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Now, what about people that do bad things in life, like, like people that kill other people? What happens to okay. them? What I have been, what I have been told by my guides and, and, and one, one particular angel who is, who has been overlighting me for a long time now, that all transgressions in this life all the things that we do all the evil things that are done there will be consequences when we cross over and it's like it's like the Osama bin Laden's it's like the Hitler's it's like the Mussolini's uh -huh. they when they cross over they will certainly not be in the same place as Mahatma Gandhi or Mother Teresa or even Lady Diana, who's big, uh, big talk about now at this moment in time, especially in Ireland and England. But they will go to, they will go, and what I've been shown, Charlotte, it's a quite dark place. It's quite dark. And, and the difference is they're on, it's like a, the step of a ladder. Mm -hmm. And what I'm shown is they're at the very bottom rung. But there is what they call in spirit in spiritual law called the law of progress. So they will get the opportunity to grow to the light. They will. Now, right now, what I've been shown is there it's it's dark. It's like the din of total iniquity. There is no life for it. There is no God light there. It is dark. It is not a nice place. But they will get the opportunity with their guides if they want to grow and um, advance to the next level, to the next. But they have a lot of soul work to do. So, but what I've been told by a lot of people that end up there, they do not wish to grow to any light. They want to 
muddle around in this den of iniquity in this darkness they want to stay there because that's what they're familiar with yeah, they don't want the it's the frame of mind yeah. yeah yeah you know and it is but you know it is but it's lovely to know that those of us yeah you were asking me about those that have done huge wrong and murders and and, mm -hmm. and like all of that they there is consequences there is huge consequences and i know sometimes when things go wrong in our lives and when we lose somebody so tragically through violence or through sexual abuse or you know that have been abducted and have never been found those that have been been those perpetrators they you know they may not have been brought to justice but mm -hmm. by dead there is justice on the other side and that has to be paid back charlotte and those souls those people have are shown the error of their ways they're shown that this is the the wrongdoings there they have their life review and mm -hmm. then they are given the opportunity as i said to you earlier to uh, advance but they don't want to but there is such a thing as well charlotte you may the law of karma excuse me <clears throat> and karma is it's like it's our like our balance sheet it's the good deeds versus our bad deeds and if we've been good yes we will be brought into this beautiful present this beautiful god light and when you are bad well of course you're not your bad behavior is never rewarded it is mm -hmm. never never rewarded and karma is a bitch it comes back and bites you on the ass and it does get you and it is and that's not a threat i'm being told by my guides now i'm saying it like a threat i'm uh, forgive me <laughs> yeah sorry guys um but it does there is consequences and what you give out in life comes back so bad deeds earn bad karma and even karma you earn bad karma if you have not alone treated your fellow human being badly and and abused them and intimidated them and caused huge pain because all of that is accountable for in your ledger of life and you know even if you are cruel to animals if you have disrespected animals that carries karmic debt as well so we have to be it's not just for our fellow human beings because we're all interconnected in this life we're we're connected the 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 sea the oceans the the plants the animals you know we're all part of this one huge massive universal web of life and it's like if a grain of sand if if a polar bear sneezes in the antarctic a grain of sand will move in the sahara desert so it has ripple effects so mm -hmm. so too has our behavior mm -hmm. so when a regular person <laughs> dies then they they do they cross over okay they end up crossing over so do they have a judgment thing going on too right they're going to have a life review yes of course everyone has when we cross over charlotte it is like now depending the life review may not become immediately because mm -hmm. sometimes if if our loved ones has been say extremely sedated and mm -hmm. having maybe on a lot of drugs like morphine and and different types of drugs to quell their pain when they when they cross over and this is what i've been shown time and time again by my guides when they cross over they are put into a kind of a sleep a sacred sleep state and then in time they are gently awakened to the reality that they have actually left the earth plane and then that's when their spirit guides come to them 
and then they are shown their life review. They are shown what they have uh, achieved in life or what they could have done better or where they would like to have improved or where they didn't. And in particular, for people that may have ended their life through suicide, uh, they are really held safe and nurtured on the other side. And it's so important to name it tonight that anybody who has lost a loved one through suicide, all people who end their life through suicide, and bless every single soul that has, suicide is never the fault of the victim and it's never the fault of the family. See it as a, a collective a collective, uh, you know, factors that like, uh, you know, maybe sexual orientation, maybe mm -hmm. financial pressure, maybe, you know, societal norms that didn't suit them. Maybe it was cultural, cultural things that didn't suit and that they didn't fit in. So it's never it's never correct to blame or say, if only I had done more, if mm -hmm. I, I should have seen. And that guilt really, really uh, persecutes the person that has ended their life through suicide when they are awakened. And what I have been shown by my guides is the, those that have ended their life through suicide, they're, they're put in this kind of slumber, beautiful deep sleep, where they receive healing. They are infused with God light, God energy. And it's like a little baby waking up out of sleep. This is what they've shown me. And, and then they wake up and they suddenly, then they're told you have, you have actually left the earth plane. And then they're shown the review. And mm -hmm. then they're shown the challenges that they were unable to master in this lifetime. And Charlotte, if, if they choose, they get the opportunity to reincarnate in another lifetime. And it could be just, it doesn't have to be 100 years, it can be even 10 years, it can be five years, it can be less. They get the opportunity to come back again. But before they do, they are empowered with techniques and spiritual tools of how best to handle similar situations when they're back on earth, if they choose so. And only if the soul chooses, then they come back. They get the choice to choose. Excuse me. Um, so when someone you know goes through this review, like you say, did they have a choice whether they want to come back or not? Can they take that choice to better to to, to um, maybe better themselves in the next life and then improve upon the things that that went wrong in the first life? Absolutely, and that's the whole purpose of of the life review. They're mm -hmm. actually shown. They're showing. They're shown Charlotte. You know. It's like, say for the one, uh, say it's like a, you end up in a bad relationship mm -hmm. and, and this bad relationship, you, you, you self-sacrificed, you self-sabotage, you didn't, you didn't believe in yourself, you allowed abuse to happen, you, you were a very tormented soul, you didn't, excuse me, you didn't enjoy life, you know, you, you just hung on by, by your nails at a cliff edge just to survive. And the, you know, so then when you are, when you decide, and it's not just you, you're, you're, you have a council of 12 and your guides are always there because there are guides that overlie different aspects of our journey on earth. When we're younger, we have angels and we'll have guardian angels and we'll have guides, but then they only become really significant as we get older and as we take on different challenges, as we move out of our comfort zone to better ourselves. 
And sometimes those challenges can be too overwrought and they can over, over kind of drive the body and the body is not able for it. So mm -hmm. when somebody is shown their life review, they're saying, oh, okay, this is where I went wrong and this is what I could have done. So they, they never re-enter the earth plane until they have the tools, the spiritual tools and the spiritual power to master it in the next lifetime. Now, for the ones that choose not to do that and stay, what is it like for them? You know, if they decide to stay on the other side. What I've been what I've been told by my guys, those that choose to say is that they're old, old souls and mm -hmm. that their life's journey on Earth, predominantly the majority of them, their life's their life is complete. Their soul contract, the sacred contract for living upon the Earth and doing the earthly things is now complete. The task is over. And they when they choose to stay on the other side, they become guides. They can become guides to a certain member of the family. They can become guides. Maybe somebody, if somebody crossed over and say that they were a psychologist or they were into education, they would like to work with, say, children that have crossed over mm -hmm. or people that may have crossed over through suicide so that they can teach and they can show them love. It's on the inner planes, Charlotte, it's all about love the amount of love that we give here on earth or don't give and it's the schooling on the other side is all got to do with love so they are they show love they imbue love to others and as a consequence then those that become the guides they overlight their family they overlight friends or they overlight students then in school or you know, people that are struggling or people with special needs or children with special needs. So they do become uh, beautiful ambassadors for the light, for the earth plane. So is it like, um, one, of the, one of my favorite movies is um, Made in Heaven with Timothy Hutton. No, haven't. Would you believe Charlotte haven't? I knew Highway to Heaven. I saw Highway right, to Heaven right. with Michael Langdon. Yes. <laughs> well, when he died, um, he fell in love in heaven. Anyway, it has to be a love story, of course. But um, that the, the version of heaven that they use was that when once they cross over, they can live anywhere they want, you know, as long as it's there, you know, if they yeah. just if, you know before they're reborn, you know. But and they can create their own reality when they're there, you know, whatever they want to do. Is is that what happens, or are they just ethereal beings? hanging out you know on the clouds or whatever you know checking out people it's it's so amazing that you say that charlotte because that's a fabulous understanding to have mm -hmm. because and as i said these these films are walt disney movie movies or whoever producer produces those like highway to heaven right and and you know there there has to be a a download of information coming from the spirit world why these producers produce what they do mm -hmm. and make movies out of them but from my understanding is that like we said before you go to the level of consciousness and awareness mm -hmm. that you bring with you from the other side so if you if you feel that heaven is going to be a place of beautiful green pastures mm -hmm. like one of my 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 patient my clients bless him when he when I brought him on a journey a few weeks before he died. 
and into the inner planes. And uh, he was my oldest client. He was in his late 70s. And he, he saw green pastures. And because he was a farmer and he loved cows and he loved cattle and sheep. Mm-hmm. And not alone did he see that, Charlotte, but he saw his two sheepdogs. And the sh- two sheepdogs were, what were they called? Oh, Bonnie and Clyde. I'll never forget it. I remember things amazingly. So I knew, I knew then, I was told by my guides that that's his heaven, that he, because he has, this is what he loved on earth. So when he goes to the other side, he can replicate it by the power of thought. Okay. And if you're into music, you can go to the temples of music, the temples of sound. If you're involved in healing, you would go to the temples of healing. If you loved swimming, you would be in a, in a beautiful uh, lakes of mm-hmm. beautiful with dolphins and whatever. And I know people probably listen and say, oh, yeah, get, get real. But this is true. And I have evidential proof personally and one with a scientific background and a scientific mind i this is what i have been shown and it's not just me it, it's documented time and time again in many of the most wonderful books about the afterlife as well now another question i have too is after somebody passes are they able to come back and, and, and visit with their loved ones absolutely and you know what charlie that is that is the most incredible gift it it takes maybe sometimes they might need a little bit of time they might need a little bit of resting time because depending on how they crossed over were they heavily sedated those that are heavily sedated it takes them a little bit longer for them to uh, come round or to be awakened as i said earlier and but they always want to connect with their loved ones on the earth plane they always it's like charlotte if you took a plane ride or a train ride into a different country you'd always want to ring home and say hello guys i've arrived okay mm-hmm. so similar to our loved ones when the transition to the other side they really really want us to know that they've arrived okay and it is just an incredible thing to be able to communicate with them and what they do is they provide kind of little signs signs that would only be significant to you you know uh, it could be maybe a, a, a robin or a bird of some sort it could be a feather that has fallen from the sky it could be a penny or a dime as you say in, in america mm-hmm. it could be music that comes out over the radio that was a special song it could be a special song it could be a book that fell off a shelf and it is so it is so easy to connect with your loved one, Charlotte. But sometimes if our grief is so over, if, if we're so overwrought with grief, we can put a kind of a, a blockage around our heart center. And our heart center is the transmitter. It's the mm-hmm. transmission center for connecting with our loved ones because the, the heart center is the gateway to the two worlds. So it is so important that if we want to connect with our loved one, I have lovely exercises in, in, in the book as well, where you can connect with your loved one, you know, like just, you know, going into a little sacred space for yourself, put, lighting a candle and that candle lights their, their soul essence. And then a little bit of music with no, no sound, mm-hmm. only or no words, no words, sorry, just nice, gentle music. And, and you can have a photograph of them or you can have a little, a jumper or a cardigan or something, a sweater, something that was theirs 
that the energy is still in it. You know, and then sometimes, Charlotte, you'll hear people saying, I, my, my father was here last night because I could smell his tobacco because if he smoked a pipe. If you're, they could say, I smelt my mother's perfume last night because I know she was here. So they really do give us signs. And for me, I've had huge experiences with uh, loved ones past. Huge experience with my father, incredible experiences with my brother. And, you know, my brother actually, Charlotte, uh, who had transitioned in 2004, or sorry, 2002, he had told me uh, three weeks before he died, he said that something was going to happen and it was going to change the whole dynamics of our family. But he said, I'm not quite sure what it is yet. And uh, I looked at him and I said, Joseph, how many gins have you had? You know, he loved mm -hmm. his little gin. <laughs> and uh, he, was, he was medical administrator of Harley Street in London. So uh, he was a very clever chappy, but a beautiful soul. But he always said he would never reach 40 because he never bought a car, Charlotte. Granted, he was a horrible driver anyway. And uh, he set up the International Red Cross in the Gaza Strip many years ago. And, and, you know, he had amazing stories about how they survived in a Red Cross Jeep when Palestine and, and Gaza were firing at each other, even though they should have had immunity. But um, so he came to me and he told me uh, that my mother needed uh, to be taken to a doctor. And um, this was only a few months after he died. And I said, well, Joseph, you know, you have to come to me three times. I'm not going to take anything you say, you know. And uh, so three times he came. And uh, and I know you may be running out of time now. Cutting I'm a very long take time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cutting <laughs> a very, very long story short, Charlotte. My mother, my mother had hours to live. By the time I got her to a doctor on Monday, by Friday, she was having a triple aortic aneurysm operation. And mm. the surgeon said she was just hours, that she, she barely had hours to live. So and when I told my family that it was Joseph that told me, they said, oh, for God's sake. So my family still thinks I'm away with the fairies, but that's okay. <laughs> I love being with the fairies. <laughs> So I'm going to go a little over on this because this is fascinating. You know, I mean, you're absolutely fascinating me. And I have another question in that when somebody is comes back reborn, do we lose that connection with our loved one? No, you the loved one from sometimes Charlotte, we can, we can when we come back when we reincarnate into a mm -hmm. into another body. It's not the soul. The soul is the same. The soul has okay. many many lives, right? The soul mm -hmm. is the same. We just take on a different body. And it's like going to the garage with your car. You'll you'll trade in your car. So we trade in the, the physical body for the a new a new soul or a, a, a new body and the old mm -hmm. soul. So we when we reincarnate back on, onto earth, we we bring with us all the experiences and all the consciousness of our previous lives because the only reason we're coming back charlotte is that we have unfinished business we haven't fully mastered something you know we could have been in abject poverty in our last lifetime and we might want to reincarnate this time where we might have a, a few bob in our in our pockets so that we're not going and, and know what it's like just to have a little bit of money now sometimes you know my guides say you can be a, a pauper in one life and a prince in another. So it is, it's the, it's whatever we need to learn to serve our soul best for the evolution of our soul in the long term. 
So if we choose to come back, there is always a reason. There is something we haven't yet finished or mastered in this lifetime. And it, it, it can be as simple as forgiveness, learning how to forgive somebody. It can be as simple as learning how to love. It can be as simple as learning gratitude. It can be simple as learning compassion. These are all huge um, aspects which invigorate our soul and which brings joy to our soul. So if we happen to master them, because sometimes, and especially in today's environment, we have become very materialistic. And mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how much money we make. It's absolutely nothing got to do with money when we cross over. And it's about how we have treated our fellow human being. What acts of kindness have we have we in, bestowed upon someone rather than being selfish and greedy? Because that's not that's not going to earn us grace or good virtue. It's going to earn us karma. So um, to kind of expand on that a little bit, are we like, like your mother passes away and she's coming back off and on to see you and visit you. Now, if she reincarnates, like you say, her, is her soul still able to do that? Yes, do because you, you our, yeah, our souls have many aspects. Not okay. all of our aspects of our, it's like, it's like, say, for the want of a, a, just just visual, visualize a kind of a nucleus of a cell, and it has many, many strands out of it. And mm -hmm. it's not all, uh, only an aspect of her soul reincarnates every time. Okay. It's not okay. our whole, it's not, not our the whole thing. Soul. Okay. Yes. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And the sense of time, do, do they have the same? You know, there, there's stories of that's it's infinite time. That you know they don't have the same sense of time that we do. But do they do, do they realize that our time is running slower than, than than whatever they're they're at? From from what I've been told is okay. When we there is no time nor space on the other side okay. because it's infinite, right? Mm -hmm. And but when say for example, this is one thing I needed to know that. When I said, when I am about to make my transition, not that I'm afraid, I know exactly. I wanted to know that my loved ones would be part of my entourage to bring me through the veil across to the other side. So mm -hmm. my question was, how will they know? And the, the, the guidance was absolutely so reassuring and so beautiful. They always, our loved ones that have passed, always know because of their divine essence and their, their divine spiritual beingness, they know when a loved one is about to transition because mm -hmm. not, not alone do they come to bring us home when we have died, but they come beforehand, like we discussed earlier, these right. previsions that we have, that they rise up in bed. So they know, and not alone that I've been told by my guides, it is their responsibility and their duty to come for us when our time on earth is complete it's their duty and and that's part of their their purpose on the other side as well well you know what thank you so much just went so fast i learned <laughs> a ton i can't believe how fast it went i learned so much from you it's you know, been absolutely a blessing charlotte and it, it's lovely i hope it has brought some kind of comfort to your listeners and uh, it's been just such a blessing and you've been so lovely to talk to and i bless you and i bless everyone that's listening with god's love and light i would love to have you on at a later time 
It would be my pleasure. Because, I mean, you're, I could talk to you all day, <laughs> you know, and talk about this stuff. But, yeah, I, I, I think, it, you know, this, this will help calm people. And, and, and I mean, death, is, death is, is never a happy thing for anybody, you know, whether it's you or a family member or whatever. But when you hear stuff like this and you hear, you hear like what you're saying, it makes it a lot easier to, you know, to, to deal with. Yes. That's what's nice about it. Yes, and and uh, not alone that, Charlotte. As I said earlier, it doesn't matter if it, you know if you don't believe in anything. Mm-hmm. There, there is so many physicists and doctors and and uh, theologians that have come out that have said they never believed in anything, and mm-hmm. it's it's all the research is there in where after, and they have come out and they've had to stand up and be counted and said. I never believed in an afterlife. I never believed in God. I never believed in heaven. But it is real. And even um, the wonderful Dr. Ivan Alexander, he, his proof of heaven, he was the neurosurgeon who didn't believe in anything. And uh, his final one, his, his great prominence in the book was that God and soul are real. And, and, and I think that's an amazing an amazing topic for any neurosurgeon to honor and to uphold that God and soul are real. Absolutely. How can people find you? Thank you, Charlotte. And excuse me. Um, I'm on, um, my my website is uh, marielfordclark.com and whereafter is available on all the Amazon websites and uh, from my from my from my platform there is the twitter and the facebook and the instagram they're all there on the website as well fantastic thank you so much i know it's late evening for you so you can get some rest but i really appreciate you coming on and like i said i'm going to contact you again we're going to try and get you back on because wow you know you 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 make it sound so so nice <laughs> so so you know my pleasure and not scary. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Bless you. And bless evening. everyone. Bless you too. Have a good evening. All right. That was fantastic. I can honestly say that because I've taught, you know, the great mystery, especially, you know, watching my mom and dad pass away and, and how, and how all that went, it makes me feel a lot better. And I hope, and like she says, I hope, I hope you do too. Um, <clears throat> oh my gosh. I'm going to, take this in real quick i love this lady we're going to bring her back on thank you very much and uh tomorrow we're going to change pace a little bit and i'm going to talk about this right now because the world has changed a lot since the late 1800s and the you know the um the early to mid 1900s and so i want to clarify this because i know there's a you know there's, there's there's a lot of woke culture and everything going on right now and the gentleman I'm having on tomorrow is named John Wolf, and he, when I was growing up, my dad, because my, my dad was born in 1926, my dad had a fascination with circus um, sideshow freaks, and he had books and books and books on, books on them, Tom Thumb, The Bearded Lady, people like that. And uh, so when I saw this, when I was Googling and found this man, um, I had to have him on. This is in honor of my father. He has written a book about the uh, about the sideshow freaks. It's called uh, Freak Show. 
and he is going to be on tomorrow. Uh, he is he is over in England, so it's going to be another noon show. But uh, it's going to be interesting to talk to him and see what he's got. And he and he uh, covers uh, the Victorian um, circuses and sideshows. So I just want to get that out that you know this is the show coming up is not meant to offend anybody. We're not you know that's not the goal. It's just telling the story of 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 what this stuff was back back in the day. Okay. So I just want to clear that up. Anyway, thank you for coming. And as you can see, I've got a ticker running along the bottom of the screen. California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team is a nonprofit. And we, um, everything goes out of my pocket. So if you can find it in your heart to donate at paypal.me at California Haunts, that would be great. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you didn't like the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're trying to keep getting the word out. And you guys have done a great job doing that. So please do keep please keep doing that. Let people know about the show. Also, YouTube. YouTube is an issue. If you don't have enough subscribers, you can't get a dedicated URL. You, you, you can't get a dedicated URL. So what I need is for as many subscribers to subscribe as possible. But the only way to do that is you cannot search for us. You cannot search for the videos. You can't do any of that. Because you're not going to find us. So you need to go to the website at www.californiahauntsradio.com and click on the video that's on the front, and that will take you over to YouTube, and you can subscribe from there. We get enough subscribers put together, and we'll be able to get a dedicated URL where you guys can go you know, see every video that we've done in the last year. And we're in our second season. This is like our 15th, uh, our 15th show of the second season. So that's exciting. But you can also access those things on the website, but it'd be a lot easier on YouTube. So if you guys could help me out by subscribing, that would be great too. Anyway, I want to thank you all for coming today. I will see you tomorrow at noon. And I am going to go ahead before I sign off and I'm going to show Mario's um, book and contact information so you guys know how to, how, how to reach her. And I really, like I said, I appreciate you all coming. So here we go. I'm going to go ahead and flash that up. That's Mariel for life. Oh, I'm sorry, Mariel. <laughs> Mariel for Mariel and the book is where after, and it can be gotten at Amazon.com. Mariel for life. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> it's been a long day already. And again, I want to thank you all for coming, and I will see you tomorrow, same time. Bye bye. <laughs>